Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Shanti, the time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion. 
nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? The Supreme Soul would think of you and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time, Hello everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Letting Go from Inclusion Revolution, which you can acquire anywhere online, Amazon and iTunes, by yours truly. Hope you enjoyed it. That meditation always takes me into an extremely neutral state, a place where I'm able to just accept things as they are, but don't give up on them. I accept and I continue to move forward to see if I can bring the best part of me forward, my better angel forward, my highest potential forward. Even if sometimes I don't always succeed 100% of the way, I still never give up. Don't ever give up (laughs) on believing that you can be 10 times better than you were in your last second. It's a very interesting way to look at yourself. Can you be 10 times better than you were in your last second? That means, can you bring peace forward? Can you bring more love forward? Can you bring more peace forward? Can you bring more wisdom forward? That means being a better version of yourself. So whether it's running a company, a country, your household, can you bring your better angel forward? Or do you wish to come from a place of your trauma and emotional debris? We're seeing the state of the world right now, which tends to be extremely charged with a lot of emotions. Um, a lot of greed, a lot of manipulation and lies and deceit. But we're also seeing an uprising in people saying, I'm no longer going to be complacent. I want to find a solution to the darkness that's prevailing. So that's always us. That's us trying to bring our better angels forward, despite how challenging and, and dark the current situation might be. Every second we have a chance to transform the way we see ourselves and the way we see those around us. I've been um, experimenting lately with um, the 
the client of my mother's emotional and mental state. And she's still quite young. She's still in her 70s. And at the same token, I see how in one way she's fine, but I'm the one that gets frustrated. And so where's that coming from? So each time I find myself maybe having a thought of the state that she's in or the state that I wish she would be in, um, I practice, let me be a better angel here. How can I transform this situation? How can I get out of the, the debris that I seem to find myself in? So I hope that that thought and idea helps anyone today that's listening in. I'm sure I'm talking to one person out there who might feel that they're alone in being their better angel and yet know that they have that in them. And releasing trauma is never an easy thing, but today we're going to be talking with Julie Brown Yao, who's a Ph.D. and a psychologist with more than 30 years of experience in somatic and spiritual traditions. Julie's unique approach blends clinical experience, psychology, physical and subtle body energies, and spiritual perspectives in discussing and healing of trauma. She's a Director of Education and Program Development and Compassionate Care, ALS, where she incorporates her knowledge of somatic depth psychology, grief counseling, and contemplative practices to work with individuals and families facing catastrophic illnesses and disease, and also death. So she's an author, speaker, and has a private practice in Laguna Beach, California. She works on Skype worldwide, specifically with developmental trauma. Her new book is entitled The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma. Dr. Yell says that whether we have experienced a physical trauma, emotional trauma, relational trauma, or developmental trauma, it is possible to heal and to return to vibrancy and a greater aliveness that we ever imagined. Today, it gives me my great honor to welcome Dr. Julie Brown-Yao to America Meditating. Hi, Dr. Yao. Welcome to the show. Hello, Sister Janet. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here, and what a, a lovely beginning uh, listening to your meditation this morning. That's wonderful. <laughs> I always like to uh, conduct that meditation in very large gatherings because when I'm done, nobody ever knows what to say. <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Tell our listeners it's a little bit about your background in psychological, somatic, and spiritual practices. It's an area I'm very interested in because of a lot of the folks who come to me, I can see that sometimes it's just energy that's trapped in them, and the focus is how to get that thought process out, but also the movement of body, the energetic forms in which these vibrations have get, gotten trapped in the body. We do need knowledge and how to release them. So what was actually the reason that you became interested in this, in these particular areas? Probably a couple of reasons. One, I had a fascination in meditation from a very young age because when I sat down to sit, all kinds of subtle energies would move in my body. I didn't know mm -hmm. anything about that, so I simply you know, explored on my own. And then I became very interested in the mind, in psychology, and began to pursue that in an educational way. And so these two paths, which I call spiritual paths and psychological paths, just came together. And in my deepest understanding, if I go straight to the core of why I work with trauma, with a, a deep knowing or recognition that our suffering is no different than compassion itself. And from that perspective, I found I could sit with people sharing stories of such despair and devastation while sitting with them in a field of compassion that somehow allowed healing to take place 
in a safer and deeper way. So that's mm, it in a nutshell. Nice. Yeah, I get that. That's good. It's interesting how when we're young, we can sense certain things, but we don't always have the language. And we sort of grow our way through that portal as we become adults. Um, let's talk about your new book, The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma. Why in particular did you choose to write it? And who is the intended audience for your book? The intended audience is really everybody. I know that's a big, mm-hmm. a big group. I get so <laughs> many calls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get so many calls from individuals wanting to have some form of trauma therapy and for one reason or another they're unable to you know, either they don't have the resources, they can't access somebody who has more knowledge or an expert or is a therapist to be able to help work with it. And so I offered this book as a means for people to begin to be able to work with themselves. And it was actually a big challenge for me to write it. When I was first asked to write a workbook, I had second thoughts because trauma is so relational. Trauma is either happening because of the lack of another person being there to help us get through whatever that threat or difficulty or adversity is, or the other person is the one who we're perceiving to be hurting us or who actually is hurting us. So trauma is often healed in relationship in some way. So I challenged myself, okay, write a workbook that does feel relational. I really felt like I put my heart and soul into it. I put in as much as I could in a a small book, if you will, and as many exercises as possible that could lead people into some depth, but beginning with a sense of safety. So really encouraging people to begin by anchoring a sense of safety in the body. That's always crucial when we're working with trauma, ways Mm -hmm. to feel connected with themselves and others, create some boundaries, and then maybe begin to dive into some other aspects, but all along building a sense of body awareness, because the body, as we know now, is where trauma lives. It's not out there in the adverse events that happened. Yeah. And this might sound like an ignorant question, but is there a hierarchy of trauma? Because I think we've all endured some sort of a uncomfortable experience, which I call trauma, whether it's the way somebody mm-hmm. looked at me, said to me, or violated me. It's, it's traumatic because it goes against the natural nature of the soul being peaceful and pure. So is there a hierarchy mm-hmm. of trauma or is trauma just trauma? I mean, which are the ones we should address? Is it the big ones or it should start from even the little moments when I feel like that didn't make me feel very peaceful or pure, what you said or did to me? Well, the way I work is I, when I'm working with an individual or a group, I work with what presents itself in the moment because the work is very much about what's here right now. So sometimes it's something very simple that comes up but is, is deeply painful, or it could be a big, complex trauma that needs to be worked through. So it's a very, it can be a very organic process. We're touching in, I believe, into the wisdom of the body and the body-mind or the heart-mind to be able to lead us to what needs to be addressed first. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. anger comes up first, and a person doesn't really have the capacity in their body to really feel anger. So maybe we have to step back from that a little bit and begin to create more body awareness and a sense of safety and being able to protest or say no before we can get to anger. So I don't know if there's a hierarchy as such. Um, what I do tend to believe or believe is that most traumas in adulthood can be traced back to difficulties, challenges, 
that we endured in childhood, even going all the way back to being in utero. Sure, sure. Even going back into the womb and take it even further, going back in previous incarnations, previous births. Now, when you speak about body awareness, what does that mean? So we want to be able to have a sense of what's occurring within, you know, our interior world as well as our, what we're feeling in our body. So we want to be aware when an emotion comes up or a feeling comes up. Quite often we get so caught up in thought that we miss the experience of the body. And the body's always right now, always happening right now. Thought processes tend to be anticipating a future or dwelling on the past and keep us out of the present. And so it's difficult to resolve what might need to be resolved for us to find a more joyful, alive, happy life, if you will. And so Mm -hmm. by cultivating body awareness, we can drop into what we're feeling or the emotion, allow it to emerge, it has its Mm -hmm. moment in time, and then it'll go. You know, emotions are a great part of being human. They're beautiful and vital and important, and a lot of us miss them. And then they don't just go away just because we don't feel them. They store up, and that can create a lot of chaos and intimacy and relationships in our relationship to ourself. And, of course, we know emotional stress from childhood adversities and trauma and so forth are a major cause of disease, disease processes. Right, right. Now, I've interviewed a lot of people who have had near-death experiences, and I've also known Mm -hmm. people who have had near-death experiences, and I have spoken to countless, and I'm friends with thousands of individuals who do meditation. And one of the things that they tend to tell me is that when they got out of the awareness of their body, that they actually found peace. So what if the soul is tormented? And when the soul gets grounded in the elements of the body, that the torment increases, are you offering your clients and individuals a chance to be able to transform experiences in the soul so that when they're in the body, uh, that if everything in the body feels aligned, then you know that you've sorted out your trauma. But if when you're really grounded in the body and you're still feeling discomfort, is that our signal that there's still some more work to be done at a deeper level of the soul? I would say there's still some work to be done. I don't know if the soul itself is tormented. What I do know that we can experience torment when we come into this body beginning in utero. And we have an opportunity here to work through that. One perspective could be as we work through the adversities and the challenges that present themselves to us, maybe that's a possible way of an evolution of the soul to awaken uh, to our true nature or to pure awareness. What I have found both in my own journey and the journey of so many people that I've worked with, when we resolve developmental trauma, we return to love. Not I love myself because that points to some self-existing entity somewhere, but that I am love and love and self become one. So maybe we could say love and soul are one. So that return to love allows us to experience the world as love and other individuals as love. So even somebody who might be very mean or very greedy or very upsetting, if we are grounded in love, the love that we are, it's not too difficult to recognize that in another. 
which doesn't mean we enable them to continue to be acting out whatever behavior they're doing, but we don't respond to it in a way that we might if we still have upset in our own body system. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So we do hear a lot about trauma and its devastating impact on countless lives. How do yeah. we define trauma yes. and post-traumatic growth? Well, trauma, we could say, is something that feels too much, too fast, too quick, that we're unable to process it in our body-mind system, or even with our soul, it's just too much. And so we have to disconnect from the body. The mind sometimes can fragment. Uh, Emotions get pushed away. And so we we lose this sense of unity with ourselves. And very, very often in the healing process, what I find is people reconnect with that core self or essential self or soul, whatever language you would like to use, and then have this experience once again of wholeness or unity, which is so much more than these parts of themselves, but is connected to something that is so much greater. And as you were saying in the meditation earlier, we can walk in the world with this greater sense of awareness, not just sitting in meditation. So post-traumatic growth is part of the process that allows us to, you know, bring all of these seeming parts back together into a sense of unity. It deepens our sense of spirituality. It deepens our connection to our essential self or soul and therefore connects us to others in the world around us. Um, And we have a sense in in post-traumatic growth, often people feel that they are more than they were prior to when the the trauma happens. So often they'll say, Mm -hmm. wow, there's an incredible gift in that pain. It's not always to see, obviously initially, but eventually we can. Yeah, that's always hard for us to accept now, the treasure in the darkness, at least at the dark moment, that there's something trying to push us. I would say, um, Julie, would you say it's trying to push us closer to love and our personal empowerment? I would, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have one way we could say it, whether this is truth or metaphor, it's like the universe is presenting us with something over and over again until we find a means to be able to resolve what it is that's within us that maybe the soul chose to come to experience. And then we resolve it and we can become more than we ever knew that we were. Mm. And it sounds, you know, very lovely. It's incredibly challenging. And one of the reasons it's so challenging to work with trauma is because we don't know what lies below our conscious awareness. And that's why yeah. it's really nice to have support of another person or support of a workbook. So when something comes up that feels a little difficult, you know, we can call the other person or we can go into my workbook and say, oh, okay, this is how I deal with this. Or here's something that can ground me. Or here's a visualization where I can connect more. Or here's how I can develop some self-compassion so I can let go of the judgments of myself right now. Right, right. Now, I've come to understand that um, the consequences of trauma vary per individual. And, of course, sometimes Mm -hmm. we might be living with somebody who's been through something very traumatic as a child, and they've carried it with them throughout their whole adult life. And in our minds, we might Mm -hmm. say, just get over it, get over it. Why can't you just get over it? So some people seem to, I don't know, charter through the healing process easier than others, and that could be a very naive statement that I'm making. But what are some of the various varied symptoms of trauma, and 
Uh, I guess the question is also why is it that it just varies with people how they handle their trauma or how they heal their trauma? Uh, That's a huge question. One reason, some people may be able to move through trauma and other people not. Or let's say a group of people are involved in the same traumatic incident. Maybe two of them don't get traumatized at all and eight of them do. So those two people, maybe they had a much more loving childhood, great attachment relationships with their parents and not so much adversity. So they become much more resilient in adulthood. They're not carrying so much stored emotional trauma um, so they're able to move things with greater ease. Those same two people might have had a wonderful childhood but then do get traumatized, but maybe we're speaking now about intergenerational trauma. So maybe their grandparents or great-grandparents uh, were in the Holocaust or had some other kind of you know, trauma, and that passes down through epigenetics and expresses in them. Other people you know, might be less prone to becoming traumatized because of spiritual practice. Some people with a spiritual practice may become more prone to trauma because their spiritual practice is uh, disconnected from the body, if you will, so they're not resourced in the body, so when an impact happens, they're unable to be able to process that in the body, and trauma lives in the body, so we do need to include the body in the healing process. So there's many factors, you know, our history, our family, the culture that we live in, how trauma is perceived in people. Um, mm-hmm. There's one something that's really interesting, if we look at a horrendous incident of rape and somebody is unable to fight back, but then they get judged for not fighting back. And there's not an understanding that sometimes in a threatening interaction, a person's body will go into a freeze, an immobility state of freeze and shut down. And they cannot move. They cannot fight back. And so they carry a whole lot of judgment on themselves. But maybe people around them judge them also, or maybe even in court, if this, you know, the rapist got caught. Well, you didn't fight back. Mm. You know, it's a, you look it's like you really, were enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is mm-hmm. which is horrifying. People don't always understand the physiology of immobilization that happens in in a traumatic experience. That that shutdown state can just repeat itself. Maybe it happens in childhood, and then things that happen to us in adulthood. That default programming of immobilizing and surrendering and being unable to move just comes online. So how our culture perceives us, how our family, our friends perceive what happens also influences if we are going to become traumatized or how quickly we may move through it or not. Right. And of course, who is around us at the time of the event, if there's somebody loving and kind mm-hmm. who can look at us and hold us and help us through, then that trauma doesn't need to embed in our system. If we feel right. alone or people don't understand trauma, uh, we're more likely to be impacted deeply where that trauma stays in the body system. Indeed, indeed. So is there a connection between trauma and spirituality? Yes, in many ways. One way I love to talk about is healing trauma is a spiritual path because it's bringing us back to our essential self or our soul, bringing us back to a sense of unity and wholeness. That might not be everybody's 
journey or what they desire to do. They may just want to feel more comfortable in their body. But more often than not, I see this beautiful sense of spirituality opening up. Another connection between trauma and spirituality is often there's this, a crisis happens, in, uh, both in a spiritual path, like a dark night of the soul, or in trauma, a traumatic event, something comes up. And that crisis can lead us to a deeper sense of ourself and connection uh, within ourselves. So they're mm-hmm. connected very, very, in many, many ways, really. Right. Again, it goes back to the. It goes back to the whole treasure in the darkness. No, it just goes back to the treasure in the darkness. And it comes up a lot for me because even during, you know, most challenging times, I can feel that there's a subtle ability, a subtle power that I didn't even know was in the soul is actually taking birth or being fed or being nurtured and wasn't really used. And then I realized, wow, that's actually been sitting there. You say that the trauma experience uh, is something you said earlier. It's embedded in your body, and it actually touches all bodily systems. So when you talk about the body, does that include like the whole body, the organs, the cells? I mean, does it include the brain, the nervous system? It really affects everything? It can affect everything. Not every traumatic event is going to affect everything, but everything in the body is interconnected. Often in uh, childhood trauma, we see that this uh, life force energy that comes up, you know, for, to fight our way to safety or to flee our way to safety or to cry out in distress gets squashed and that huge amount of energy gets stored in the body. It can be in our joints, in our organs, you know, in our autonomic nervous system. And this creates a tremendous amount of tension in our body. And so our life force or our subtle energy isn't able to flow freely and smoothly, and we have all of these emotional blocks inside of us. So trauma affects the the autonomic nervous system, which is in a deep relationship with the endocrine system, which is in relationship with the immune system, and so on and so forth. So over time, if we aren't resolving traumas that are deeply embedded in our body, then maybe every system can be affected. And developmental trauma, depending on the time of our life, of our development, when the adversity or the trauma happens, you know, our our brain itself is in a different stage of development. So we're going to experience the trauma differently just because of our Mm -hmm. perceptive abilities. And so sometimes the brain will be affected in deep ways. Maybe the connections of empathy or compassion aren't deeply connected enough so we have a difficult time accessing compassion or empathy for self or others. So what I'm pulling out of our conversation too is, is there just a lack of love and empathy in us as a result of the experiences that we've had and and at some point the practice or the, the process that you can put us in is actually to bring that into our awareness? So... Uh, Maybe the question I want to get to is, do you think that individuals must have body awareness to heal trauma? And and how does actually addressing trauma through your body and body awareness can help you heal? So we are accessing the love that we are as we heal trauma. Oftentimes in an adverse or traumatic experience as a child, it's, it's heartbreaking. Often it's 
the trauma is in relationship to our caregivers where we don't feel seen or heard or acknowledged enough. And so we, we it's incredibly painful. And so at some level, we put barriers up in our heart to prevent us from feeling that pain again. And even though we might grow up and get married and feel like we're in love, that deep mm. core sense of love is still blocked in some ways. And so, as I said, because trauma lives in the body, we do need mm-hmm. to include the body in the healing process to move those blocks against the heart or the heart-mind where we really access that deeper sense of, of love for self and others and then know ourselves as love. And it's not just the body that we you know, include when we are healing trauma. Insight is important. Our rational mind is important. Uh, imagination is important. You know, we work with the psyche. So all of these dimensions of being we want to include to help us access those gifts and inner strengths that we might not have accessed before that might have been shut down or split off or fragmented in a traumatic experience. So we, we access the deeper sense of love for our own mm. being and, and to share in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know that in the book um, there are actual exercises that you offer your readers to focus on, whether it's breathing, breathing, gratitude, compassion. Could you share a little bit about how that works? So what I did with this book is to put in some both spiritual practices, some neutral practices, and but all of them have a scientific background behind them. So people can also, if they're interested, say, oh, if I sit and practice gratitude, there's research that shows that my brain state will shift from a negative state into a more positive state. And so I don't go into intricate detail of what's happening in the brain. I don't know if that's always important, but people can always go and research that to a deeper level. You know, there's references in the book, so they can do that. But to to know that these aren't just, you know, fun, nice, interesting exercises, but, wow, they will have an impact on my brain. They will have an impact on my body. And they've been researched enough in different traditions, spiritual traditions, psychological traditions, the neurobiological traditions to show that they will work. Like compassion, for instance, there's been tremendous amount of research on practices that incorporate compassion that will begin mm-hmm. to generate that quality of compassion within ourselves, which is key in healing trauma. You know, we, mm-hmm. we really need that sense of, of compassion to move through a lot of what we've gone through. And I feel compassion is a natural outcome of healing trauma, which is lovely, so it, which is a little bit different even than forgiveness. So let's say we were deeply hurt by people when we were younger or any time in life. And the healing process, when compassion organically begins to emerge, there's a natural sense of compassion, even for those who may have hurt us. It doesn't make it okay in any way. But we understand sure. the human condition and the human journey with a little bit more of a wider perspective that is inclusive of, you know, understanding the pains that we all go through and how we might act that out in the world. Nice, nice. Now, bringing the scientific, psychology, Mm -hmm. 
spiritual perspectives of trauma and the systems mm-hmm. and and the and the symptoms to work together mm-hmm. can you give us the how that can actually happen one and secondly in summary do you have a few key steps that you can help someone who's listening today on healing at least to touch the part of healing for whatever trauma or struggles they're going through why always encourage people to begin with safety utmost important I've worked with so many people Mm. who've done a tremendous amount of spiritual work and psychological work but those foundational structures of safety and connection haven't been embedded in their body mind or their heart so I encourage people to look around them or look within themselves and what allows you to feel safe and for a lot of people who are you know, highly traumatized, they say, oh, my gosh, there's nothing. So we have to do a little work and search, and oftentimes it might be nature. So, yeah, actually, when I'm sitting on the beach looking at the ocean, I, I actually, you know, feel safe. And I'll say, okay, so go to the ocean, sit on the sand, notice that sense of safety, and anchor that as a feeling in your body because the body is storing trauma or fear and uh, emotions that feel frightening to begin to feel better and to move those blocks, we don't just want to dive into horrible emotions or dive into fear. We want to dive into something that feels good first so the body can begin to reorganize itself at a, at a way that healing can spontaneously begin to happen. Right? There's a wisdom in the body that will move towards healing when we give it the right conditions. So looking mm-hmm. for something external that allows you to feel safe or internal, maybe you have a pet, or maybe you know something beautiful in your environment, or maybe you have a cozy pillow. It really doesn't matter what it is, but something that allows you to feel safe and see what that feels like in your body, even if it's just a small island of safety, that will begin to spread out. So we want to cultivate something pleasant before we, you know, touch into what is unpleasant, and then connection. Mm-hmm. Look for places where you feel connected, are there other people that you feel safe and connected to? You know, eating with other people is something that can create a sense of connectedness and joy within ourselves. That's been scientifically researched. Um, You know, joining a club or anything that connects us with others to help us reconnect back to ourselves, because that's what I call in the book uh, the most sacred relationship is, is ourself. I said earlier is love. So those mm-hmm. two things are really good foundational steps to work with. Even if you've done a lot of work, these are going to hold that work and to be able to ground it more in the body, which is really, if we're here on earth in this body, I'm sure this isn't an accident. I'm sure there's a greater purpose to living in the body and experiencing ourselves through this vehicle or through this vessel to know ourselves and maybe for the evolution of the soul or just for the soul to know itself in its fullness. Something that's coming out is the the word safety, especially with caregivers who tend to go through a lot in taking care of folks who are struggling with letting go of their trauma, that sometimes yeah. they say things they don't really mean. It's just that they're, they're, they're taxed. So how... Does a person who's been traumatized, who's a traumatized victim, maybe at a very high level, so like a high-level traumatized victim, do they even know where to go for safety, what safety means to them? 
because I've seen some who will actually go to where the hell is just to feel a sense of comfort because it's what they're used to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're so right. Often people don't know what safety right. means. And that's why mm-hmm. in the book I try and explain that a little bit in a, in a way that somewhere, somehow, and this is where the imagination can come in so handy, if you will. And not everybody has a visual screen, but they have some kind of sense that might be able to make up if there was something safe. Could it be an angel? And if I imagine an angel holding me, do I feel something a little bit less difficult? Because not everybody's going to feel safety at first, but do I feel Mm -hmm. less threatened? And then how is it to feel less threatened? Is that okay? And for some people, initially it's not. And then we explore why it's not. right? And we have to go back and forth until safety begins to feel okay. Because you're right. Oftentimes, highly traumatized people are so used to feeling the trauma and this disorganization in the system. That's mm-hmm. the only way to feel. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's you know, really encouraging, really, really in that case to encourage support from another because it's that field with another person, that intersubjective field in which a person can begin to feel safe. And that's where in therapy or a group session, we begin to use, you know, the tone of our voice, the positivity of our voice, which resonates in another person's nervous system, which is giving signals of a sense of safety. Also, if I'm working with somebody, my calm nervous system is really in relationship to the other person's nervous system and allowing them to perceive what a neurocept is called safety. So it's it's perceiving Mm -hmm. safety underneath our conscious awareness. One other thing about uh, safety is somebody who has kind and loving eyes. Sometimes that just Mm -hmm. means we need to get a picture of, you know, a wonderful being and that light is shining from their eyes into our eyes. And that gives us something through the nervous system to begin to shift our nervous system more towards settling and feeling safe. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom mm-hmm. and bringing some healing modalities to a lot of our friends and guests that are listening in because I'm sure that it it has helped them once. You know, it, it, everyone's got their own time for healing, too. You know, you can't force healing. It's, yeah. it's really something comes up, a thought comes up, and a, a realization comes up, and the soul somehow just starts to wake up and say, I'm done. So definitely the steps yeah. that you've offered from your book, I'm sure, will be very healthy. Leave us with any any, any last-minute quotes. Are you on a book tour? Um, can you leave us with a website? Any upcoming events? I'm going to be doing a webinar in November, That's also through Science and Non-Duality. It's a three-part webinar that's going to be working with trauma. And I believe in January, I'm going to be also offering a webinar. So these are much more accessible than one-on-one sessions over time with Compassionate Care ALS. Uh, They're going to be hosting that for me. And so people can access this information if they go to the Science and Non-Duality website or the Compassionate Care ALS website or my web- website, which is juliebrownyow.com, and you can just send in an email and sign up for webinar alerts and where I'll be speaking at different conferences. 
And I appreciate lovely. you so much having me on. It's been lovely to be in conversation with you. Same here. Same here, Dr. Lau. Thank you so very much and all the very best. And keep us updated with what's going on with your work. I will. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye-bye. Take care. That was the wonderful Julie Brown Yachts. For more information, you go to her website at juliebrownyau.com and pick up her new book, The Body Awareness Workbook for Trauma. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. So let's try to practice that just a little bit more. I <laughs> think it might be a really good thing. All right, take care, everyone, and don't forget to just be good to yourself and to others. The track I'm about to play is Breathe from Karen Trucker. Take care.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.